Welcome back to another edition of the 11 Dubcast. I am Michael Citro. I'm Johnny Ginner. And, Johnny, you know, the 11 Dubcast is sponsored by the 11 Warriors Dry Goods Store. Yeah, buy stuff. You can up your t-shirt game, including uh, buying the new uh, Afro Duck Legend shirt. And uh, it's pretty awesome stuff. It's a picture, look, it's a duck with an Afro, and underneath it says Legend. My personal choice was for the version that said... Uh, what was it? Good night, sweet prince. But legend is still pretty sweet, so I recommend that you guys get it. Yeah, and I mean, there's a host of awesome material on there that you can get. I mean, the, the Ohio that's Ohio diagram. Moon. I'm looking at it right now. There's a holy Buckeye diagram. Yeah. There's the Ohio Moon Tea, which I think should be the bestseller. I don't know why it's not. But uh, there's the Eleven Warriors Winter Hat, even though it's been like hot as crap in Ohio <laughs> this winter, and it really sucks. But it's supposed to get colder next week, so. Yeah, get it now before you need it. Cause, you well, know, it's only – here's it. the thing. So the hat – and again, I'm not I'm not a big guy on, like, selling people on stuff, but I will say this. Uh, the hat is $18, which is cheaper than you'll get for that type of hat basically anywhere else. And secondly, it's, like, a really good hat. Like, I've got two of them, and they're really warm. They're pretty sweet, so I recommend yeah. – I, I endorse it. I'm, Comfy I'm and I'm warm. A, it keeps an owner warm. and a client. <laughs> <laughs> so you can go to drygoods.11warriors.com yeah. uh, or just click the link off uh, off our homepage. Yeah. And, uh, you know, get some, coming get, some, up. get some cool stuff. That that Afro Duck shirt is selling very well, by the it way. It is, which, I, again, I don't get it, but good. It's a duck with an Afro. Come he on. He deserves it. He deserves it. Uh, all right, Johnny. So, obviously, a big week in Ohio State sports. Yeah. Um, yes. We just had National Signing Day yes, today. Did. Uh, big surprise uh, today. Only one, really, one big surprise was the the inclusion of a five star offensive tackle out of junior college. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nice. That was a that was a pretty nice get for Ohio State, and I think you know another top five class for Urban Meyer, another great you know recruiting class. Uh, not, not a lot are of surprise. Doubt if it's not the number one recruiting class, does that bother you? Well, as you know, Johnny. You know, recruit rankings never have lied. Right, ever. Exactly, they are always they spot on. So. It's a one-to-one translation into re- recruiting rankings, and then three years later, whether you win a championship or not. So, yes, that's why Ole Miss uh, has consistently <laughs> finished in the top five, right? Past like <laughs> eight years. Does anybody do less with more than Ole Miss? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, well, Penn State maybe. Penn State recruits the crap out of deep guys, and even before. James Franklin, who's really pretty deficient in every area but recruiting, they've always recruited fairly well, like top, you know, like top fifteen classes, like over and over and over and over and over. Uh, but they're they're pretty garbage uh, and have been. For a while. <laughs> and granted, a lot, you know, you got the sanctions and all that. I'm, I'm not just yeah. discounting that, but they, yeah, they're they're not great. You're not good. You stink. Michigan too. Um, I mean, you could talk about Michigan, but obviously, with Harbaugh, kind of changes that equation a little bit, but. Yeah, well, somebody was saying today, I, I saw this on Twitter today, it's their best recruiting class since 2013. Yeah, well, and it's good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they got the overall number one guy, right? They got that huge defensive tackle. Um, it's mm-hmm. a good class. I'm not discounting that. Yeah. No, the point is, I think, was that they weren't recruiting poorly before. They just sure. weren't doing anything with it. Right, you know? I mean, Brady Hook's an idiot, but... Yeah, yeah, that's that's the that. takeaway I think. But um, yeah, it, it was it was a I think a big day in a lot of ways. Um, you know, getting most of the kids we we figured we'd get. I think there were only a couple decisions that were today that that you know we kind of knew what, how they were going to go. We knew that 
we knew that the the defensive backpacker was probably going to go to Florida State, and we knew the couple guys were going to come to Ohio State that ended up coming to Ohio State. And the Malcolm Malcolm Pridgen, the the uh, JUCO All American uh, lineman, uh, was a nice surprise. Yeah, I mean, and and look, usually I think with Urban Meyer classes, you don't have a ton of surprises really. Um, but that was a nice one, and I think overall it's just a really solid class. I mean, you got what twenty four signees. You got 15 four-stars, which is hilarious. Uh, I mean, that's it's like your norm is just uh, you have to be a four-star. I mean, there's seven three-stars, I guess, but, like, it's a really, really solid class. Um, mm-hmm. I like it a lot. I mean, it, you know, a lot of people are just going to look at Nick Bosa and be like, done, that's fine, you know, and, and like, not <laughs> yeah. worry about any of the rest of it. But they've got a lot of really cool guys coming in. Um, I'm really excited about Dwayne Haskins. I think that was an excellent get. Uh, he's the kind of guy that you can really, I think, build something around. Uh, he's got to put on a little weight if he's going to take the hits, run in the option. But, um, yeah, I think he's going to be really, really good. Austin Mack, a lot of people like Austin Mack. A lot of people like, like Austin, Austin Mack. Mack. Yeah. Um, he's going to be legit. So there's there's a lot of dudes in there, I think, that are, are going to be really good contributors. And it's a good defensive class, too. Okay, A lot of defensive backs, a lot of, like, you know, defensive ends, you know, guys on the defensive line. Like, that's that's nice. I really, really like that. So Yeah, it's, it's a good class. It's, you know, obviously you, you never the, – the story will be told over the next few years. Yeah. It's not uh, – we don't really know what will happen. A lot of it depends on – you know, guys staying healthy, and we sure. you know, we lost. Uh, a burger is done for the year, or done. He's going to get the medical hardship. Right. Uh, good. Good news though. Corey Smith has uh, been granted a sixth year. Yeah, which is uh, I don't think a lot of people expected that. Yeah, that was going to be one of those uh, borderline cases, and it, it's good that he's going to be able to come back. Hopefully, he can stay healthy, have a big senior year. Yeah. And uh, you know, and 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 you know, help out because I tell you one thing before he got hurt, he had turned into maybe Ohio state's best blocking wide receiver, yeah, which is, which you really, really need. And I think that's one of those things that you saw this year that a lack of, you know, blocking on the edge really kind of hurt uh, a little bit early, I think with the team. So that's, that's cool. I'm glad to have him back. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I'm looking at is I'm looking at the uh, commitment list, the Ohio state, you know, everybody who signed today, this is, you know, it's always been kind of a point of pride for Ohio State that they've locked down the state of Ohio, right? Like, we get all the guys yeah. in the state of Ohio, and Ohio is usually a pretty talent-rich state. And then you go off and find other people. But if you look at the, you know, if you look at the 24 signees, they've got, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, maybe 10 guys, 9 or 10 guys from the state of Ohio. Not even half the class. Yeah, 9, nine live in Ohio because um, one of the kids lives in Indiana and, and – uh, goes across the state line to go to a private school right. in Cincinnati. So, um, yeah, so you've got you've got nine kids from Ohio. But, how, do you, uh, how do you feel about that? Do you feel a little, a little sad that it's not like, you know? Um, you know, I just want the best kids, you know? Right. I mean, if you want to win championships, you have to go out and get the best players. Right. And if you can get a better player in Texas or Georgia or Virginia, then you go and do that. And maybe it's not even a better player per se. Maybe it's a player that's a better fit for your your team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, depending on what you're running offensively or defensively, um, and and you have to address the the needs that are on your team. So you may, if you're like really thick at one position, you're really deep at one position. Maybe you don't take an Ohio kid at that spot because you know you, you're pretty well stacked, and maybe you let that guy, that guy go somewhere else. And and uh, uh, you know, but for me. Um, 
Johnny, the big the big thing that I, I look at when I see signing day today, it, and it isn't necessarily um, an Ohio thing in terms of the athletes themselves. It's, you know, when you look at overall, this is crazy, but our, our own uh, Jason Priestess, our, our fearless leader, compiled these these stats about the the eastern and western divisions of the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in the in the eastern division today, fifty four star fifty four star athletes and three five stars. So that's fifty three four and five star athletes. Right. In the western division, no five stars, <laughs> nine nine four stars. That's fifty three in one division and nine in the other. That's great. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I tell you what, I was looking at overall recruiting rankings, and I would say that that is backed up quite a bit. Uh, it's it's bad, man. Some of these some of these schools, Illinois, uh, Purdue, Purdue. You look at their you look at their recruiting classes. Purdue's got like six three stars in a recruiting class of twenty three kids. Like, yeah, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> That's that is that is so bad on so many levels. I mean, I love like I like Daryl Hazel as a person. He's always seemed like a very great guy, but man, that's bad. That's They're getting so killed. bad. <laughs> I don't know how you they, do that. You have to be like actively telling people not to come here, and then just kind of like, but I really want to be at Purdue. Okay, like I, there's kids that's, turning down Purdue to go to Mac schools. Yeah. And that's that's bad, man. And if you look at the rest of the Big Ten, I mean, Michigan obviously has a great recruiting class. But if you look at the other dudes, I mean, Michigan State's all the way down at 19. How does that happen? How does it – look, how does a team with as much success as Michigan State has had in the past several years have the 19th-ranked recruiting class? They don't have – I don't know. Look, they've, got, they've got 10 four-stars, which is great. But, like, you know, after that it kind of falls off the map a little bit. Like, I don't understand – I don't understand how that's possible. You would think that you would be able to parlay that kind of success you've had on the field to something more than like the 19th ranked recruiting class in the nation. And granted, you've got some teams ahead of you, but you know you surely should be able to out recruit like Texas A&M or even Tennessee at this point. I mean, that's you know I, I don't know that that blows my mind. Um, yeah, it's 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 really not great for the Big Ten overall, and I you know. I don't like seeing the Big Ten be as bad. I don't really want them to be like great or anything like that. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 not great. It doesn't look good for the Big Ten, I guess. Is you could say. Well, one good thing about Mark D'Antonio is that he is very good at finding three stars that are closer to four sure. stars. No, four I mean, stars are yeah, to I mean five to be stars. fair, yeah, D'Antonio is excellent at coaching up guys, finding the dudes who fit his system. Finding the right attitude, guys. Like he's brilliant at that. I'm not saying yeah. he's not. I'm just saying he's like Barry Alvarez used to be at Wisconsin. Yeah, he was still getting two and three star kids, but they were playing like you know four star kids. Right, and that's and that's great. But I feel like you need to have somebody who is going to like really stand out and you know just a playmaker, whatever. And, and he doesn't seem like he consistently has that guy. I mean, everybody was like you know, loving Connor Cook and whatnot, but like. He wasn't the dude, and I don't know they really had a dude. They, and I don't know. It's it's odd to me that you know there really seems to be again only two teams in the Big Ten that have any idea how to play the recruiting game anymore. And it's funny also that these two teams are approaching recruiting in such different ways, right? I mean, and and people have been asking. Uh, Urban Meyer all day today about his recruiting. <laughs> Are you going to be sleeping with kids like in their bedrooms? Are you going to be climbing trees? Blah blah. Of course he's <laughs> no. not. Obviously <laughs> no. not. 
and that's fine. And, and it's look, it's just their approach. But I don't understand why the other teams can't emulate it, and I don't know why they haven't yet. And granted, they may, maybe they do have moral qualms with oversigning and stuff because, and which is completely legitimate because Ohio State yeah. and Michigan are both guilty of that at this point, depending on how broadly you want to define that. Um, but man, I don't know why they're not stepping up their game a little bit. It, it's it's mm-hmm. it's it's bad. It's real. Well, and I wonder how much of it has to do with the the way the Big Ten pays assistant coaches. They're not paying the guys like sure. some of these other conferences are, and, and maybe they're just like, I'm not going to spend 100 hours a week on the road right. if I'm not making bank. You know, I mean, Well, yeah, Jim Bowman uh, probably isn't getting up at the crack of dawn <laughs> to, like, call kids or, you know. Well, there's your 19th ranking right there. <laughs> That's what sucks. It would have been, like, probably two or third, you know, second or third in the country. So Jim Bowman's not the guy you bring out behind the curtain to close the deal. That's not. Bowman's, yeah, he's not the closer. Um, uh, we still wouldn't have got Taylor Decker if he hadn't left. Um <laughs> Blows my mind. Anyway, um, so it was it was an exciting day, and you know I look forward. The, the The great thing is it's it's a time of optimism. You've it's like draft day in the NFL when your favorite yeah. NFL team drafts, and you go, "Oh, these guys are going to be stars." Right. And of course, they're not all going to be stars. Some of the guys you 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 prize the most are going to turn out to be average. Some of the guys that you didn't really even think about are going to end up being you know amazing. So um, it's going to be fun to to see who kind of develops who pops out of the crowd and, you know, who can stay healthy. That's one of the important things. And, and, you know, of course, everybody's looking forward to, uh, to the baby bear. Yeah. Nick, Bo- I mean, look, Nick Bosa is a legit, see, that's the thing, right? Because you do really kind of have to play a lot of guesswork when it comes to these players. You watch their tape and you don't really see them in person. You don't do too much about them. I feel like Nick Bosa is probably as close to a lock as I can think of, to at least be a good player, right? He may not yeah. be, like, insane, like, all-American, whatever. Um, but, and and to be fair, to be completely, like, up front, like, I think that's what he should be because I think that's what the expectations are because, by all accounts, that's his ceiling, right, is to be all-American, all-world kind of guy. I'm not saying he can't achieve that. He, he I believe that he will. But his basement is, like, at a really good contributor, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. his minimum is I'm going to be an awesome player in Ohio State. And, and that's what I really get excited about. Those players that you're like, all right, that guy's a lock. Yeah, he seems like one of those guys that even that if, as long as he stays healthy, you're looking at a minimum of a John Simon. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know? Right. And, like, are you going to cry about that? Of course not. Like, that's the big no. So that's that's kind of what I'm saying there. Like, I, you know, I get excited for those guys who are like, okay, all right, we got something here. Um, I had that same feeling with uh, Beanie Wells, right? Where I saw Beanie Wells in the, I remember I watched him in the Army game there, uh, you know, and I was like, that kid's going to kill somebody. <laughs> He's gigantic. And you're like, all right, we, we got some, we got something to work with here. So Nick Bosa, I think right out of this uh, recruiting class is the dude who I'm like, all right, that's that's the guy. That's the guy who I know that I can follow for the next several years, and he's going to be a legit, awesome player. Um, you know, I don't know too much about the other dudes. I really do like Dwayne Haskins, but uh, I don't have a lock on it like I do maybe seeing the other guys. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. You know, like I said, it's it's one of those things where you're right. It is kind of a guessing game. You pick kind of your favorites occasionally. Maybe they pan out. Maybe they don't. So, you know, it, I'm sure everybody has their own kind of personal you know, pet like all right, Drew Chrisman is going to be the best kicker we've ever seen. Which I, by the way, I would love. Um, but you know, you never know. Yeah, uh, you know. So 
why don't we turn our attention a little bit toward the basketball team because I why? want to talk a little bit about <laughs> I want to talk I want to get your take on on the Maryland rematch they played, and, they played and well they they I mean look they lost but they they played well right yeah I mean it was you have there's a couple things here you, number one you have to be happy at the way they bounced back yes there was like uh, the effort was great and, and the other thing is you have to be happy about the fact that they're playing you know one of the better teams in the country and they really put themselves in a position where they could have won the game had they not missed a crap load of free throws in the second half. Right. Yeah. Uh, it really put them in a bad spot. I mean, there wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm, I, you can't even really whine too much about bad officiating, even though there was some. There was a, there was a clear ball out of bounds off Maryland late right. that, that yeah. they said went off a Kata Bates the up and, and things like that. But, you know, what do you make of this team after having seen them rebound the second time around against Maryland, do you do you think this team is still sort of like middle of the road NIT? Are they are they capable of sneaking into no, they're not the, going to, they're the NCAA not, tournament? No, they're not. They're not going to the March, and that's okay. Uh, they're just not that team, and I think that's the thing that you saw even in that loss, right? Like they're they're capable of playing really hard. They have some legitimate talent, and, and you know you'll see five minute stretches where you can you can kind of like peer into the you know, through the ether, and you're like, all right, this is a team that's capable of doing some things on offense. They're capable of, like, looking really good. And then they kind of fall off a little bit, and they just they run some completely garbage plays that make no sense. There was <laughs> I remember I was watching, uh, I don't know if it was the Maryland game. It might have been another game, but I saw this, like, baby hook somebody attempted that literally would just, like, slammed against the backboard. <laughs> that wasn't even a shot. You just threw it in the vicinity of the net. Yeah, um, they they do make some odd some yeah, odd and plays. Yeah, and look, and they're a young team, and that's fine. And if they look like this next year, I'm gonna be a lot angrier than I am right now. But they're not they're not an NCAA team. They are an NIT NIT team at best. And you know, again, you play hard, things will happen, but you got to make free throws. And that was it's unfortunate that that was really honestly the difference in the game, but. Mm-hmm. Again, that's what you get when you're playing they, one of the youngest teams in the entire country. They missed ten free throws in the game. I believe at one point in the second half they had missed, I think, a f- five out of seven at one point. I well, think. and the worst part is, especially if it's like a one and one, right? Yeah, like, you miss the first one and you, you're, you're just done, giving it back uh, to the other team. Like you're not doing. Yeah, anything. It's, a, it's a turnover. Right, it's a yeah. turnover, and, and that's and Maryland. Meanwhile, is unbelievable from the start. Oh, yeah. they, they missed only one free throw the entire second half. Yeah. I think. And it was, it really was a good game, and it was, it was those two late threes where they lost the man in the corner that were the daggers because really Ohio State could have won that game and actually had a lead very late in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was it was an interesting game to watch, and, and there, it was a flawed game. Obviously, uh, here, what do you make of the deal? the team's only junior is Mark Loving, and he, as one person on our staff described it, was shaving points. Uh, <laughs> He was playing so poorly that it just looked almost intentional out there. Uh, it was what really do you sad. make of him? What do you make of him not going to the bench? Do you, is that Thad just saying play your way out of it? Is it Thad saying I can't take my junior out? He's the only. No, I think he's saying play your way out of it. I think he's reached the point this season where he's like, you know what? Eh, let's see what you can do. Right? Like, let's. You're playing like crap. Let's see if you can not play like crap. <laughs> it's not, you know. <laughs> what, what is he playing for at this point? He's you know the Big Ten tournament, get a better seed. Okay, whatever. Like that's not going to happen. Like you're playing for March Madness, get like oh I'm gonna get a better. You know like no like just 
let them play it out. It's fine. They're not going to win the NCAA tournament. They're not probably even going to get into the NCAA tournament. So just, you know, let them play it out. Let's see what happens. Let them try to work this stuff out, uh, uh, you know, with, for themselves on the court. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's not unprecedented for uh, Thad Mata. You, not to bring up bad memories, but here I'm going to bring up some bad memories. The the game against Kentucky in the Sweet 16 where – he left Buford on the feet on the floor. Yeah, that was bad. That was a good, a, a very good player. That's one of the worst halves of basketball I've seen out of a guy. Cause he would not yeah. stop shooting. <laughs> he, he, he could not do anything that night. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where streaky shooter, you know, you think the law of average is eventually that's going to turn around. And right. if it doesn't turn around, you look terrible for leaving him out. Well, there. Right. In that situation, I think you get look, Buford was capable of ringing up 30 that year, and he did, I think, at a couple of t- points, but like, or at least came close to it. Um, in that situation, you got to take the guy out because he's cold and he's not going to warm up. But on the other hand, in this situation, stakes are so much lower. It's like, so, like, do it. Like, just see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you'll hit something. I, I don't know. I'm also interested in, in Thad's um, play it by feel for when to play A.J. Harris and when to play Jaquan right. Lyle. I don't- I don't like, know what I don't, there's no there's no reason or rhyme. It's just like, I feel like AJ Harris right now. I feel like Lyle. Yeah, you know? and then like and then you know he'll send out uh, you know Mickey and Mitchell and like you're like what? why is why is he there? <laughs> what what are you doing there, buddy? Yeah, I don't know. And it's just and that's, he's an energy guy and that's great and he's he's going after balls and he's playing good defense and that's cool. But like. There's a good player hiding in Mickey Mitchell. Yeah, somewhere. Really. But um, I don't, he's a I don't young, know. young guy. Yeah, like... He's, he, I mean, he's a young guy, and you, you're, you're gonna have to live with mistakes with the youngest guys, and he's one of the youngest guys on the team. And yeah. but you can see some of the things that he sees. You go, oh, that was obvious. Almost. Why did the guy he passed the ball to not even put his hands up? Because he should have known <laughs> the ball was coming. Yeah, right? there was a lot of there was a couple of moments like that where just throw the ball in the stands, like you know. <laughs> Whatever. Like here you go. Why or like here's the pass, and it was so you didn't make the obvious cut. Right. But now I look like an idiot for throwing the ball away. Right. Um, but yeah, I think there's a really great court vision there, and I think he's there's a good player lurking in Mickey Mitchell. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it come out over the next few years. Yeah. Well, hopefully that happens. <laughs> so why don't we turn our attentions to ask us anything? Yeah, let's do that. Let's let's answer you everything. All right. Uh, how can they ask us anything, Johnny? You guys can ask us anything by sending us an email to uh, dubcast at 11warriors.com, or you can send us an e- or a tweet a tweet to <laughs> at 11dubcast, and you just spell it all out. So Yeah. That's good. And, and, you know, the Twitter's been quiet lately, so hit us up on that Twitter. Yeah. Hit us up on that Twitter yeah, account. New media. All right, all right Johnny, uh, what do we got tonight? So we've got several questions through the email so thanks guys for being old um this is from scott long from beaverton oregon uh gentlemen in london last year while visiting the sherlock holmes museum i i love i love the way that sentence starts out in london while visiting the last year while visiting the sherlock holmes museum i was chatting with an employee who was not only knowledgeable about american football but an ohio state buckeye fan how about that uh, do you have any stories about meeting Buckeye fans in very unlikely places, Michael? I do. I actually do. Hey. I mean, just about everywhere I go, if I'm wearing an Ohio State hat, which I normally am, 
somebody will give me an OH just about anywhere. And usually, yeah. if, if I if I wear one to Dis like any of the Disney parks, I get like fifty OHs like over that. the course of the day. But I was um, two years ago. I, was, I really got into hiking for the first time, and I got out in the in, in here in Florida. You do that in the winter because it's the only time you can do it and and right. live. Right. Uh, so I went out to this place called Hontoon Island, which is is a really cool little park, and you. You uh, you have to take a little ferry boat uh, across the river to get there, and because it's an island, hence the name. Yeah. And then uh, so I'm I'm yeah. cruising you know down through this through this uh, you know this nature trail, and a guy coming the other direction sees my hat and he's like go box, and I noticed that he's wearing this you know really nice leather Ohio State jacket, you know one of those three hundred dollar jobs, mm-hmm. and he's out taking a hike in the woods in this thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I ran into this guy and he was like. Uh, you know, wanting to talk Ohio State. He wanted to, like, actually stop on the trail, like, as we were going the opposite Excuse direction. Excuse me. And t- start talking Ohio State. So, uh, he was nice, you know, and I took a picture with him. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. nobody's... All right. He's like, like, I want to get a picture with you because nobody's going to believe me that I ran into somebody else, you know, another Ohio State guy down here, uh, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Right. Like, literally, uh, at least a mile from the next human being, probably. That's your. That's uh, the last known picture of that guy, by the way. That could happen. Or bit by a rattlesnake or any number of other things. Eaten by a bear. There's bears here. That's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, so that's my story. What about you? You uh, you run into any uh, Buckeyes around the world? No, I don't have... Well, okay, so I do. I do have a really... I think it's a pretty good story, but I don't have a specific Ohio State story. I haven't really ran into, like... Because, you know, I I used to live in Japan, but I never really ran into any Ohio State fans in Japan. Well, I take that back. I did, but it wasn't as coincidental. I ran into a pretty big Ohio State fan when I lived in Japan, and she was actually from Dublin, Ohio. So I didn't think it was like, I mean, granted, that's pretty crazy. You're like 8,000 miles away from where, you know, from where you're initially from, and then you meet a person who's from the same state, and they're also Ohio State fans. Mm-hmm. And we would get up at like 3 in the morning to watch the games on like bootleg feeds and crap. Um, so that was cool. I enjoyed that. But the the cool story that I have, the really enjoyable story, is a guy that I met. I was traveling in Kyoto, and I was just kind of walking around, and space in Japan is at a premium. And it's not just because, right, like, there's so many people, but it's also because uh, the the area, the land is so, um, it's just very mountainous. There really just isn't a lot of arable land. So right. I was walking down the, the cool river in Kyoto, and I see this football team that's practicing. And, and football is, is not a particularly pop- popular sport in Japan, in part because of the space issues. And they're, just, mm-hmm. they're practicing on this, like, patch of dirt, right? And I mean, it's literally, like, maybe a 20-yard by 15-yard patch of dirt that they're just practicing and drilling and stuff. And so I get to mm-hmm. talking to their coach. And in my really horribly broken Japanese and his really horrible broken English, we tried to, like, figure out what he's talking about. And it turns out that he actually, he's wearing an Oklahoma Sooners, like, jumpsuit. And I guess he had gone to a coaching clinic in uh, East Lansing run by Mark D'Antonio. So he brought up his kid to, to, like... To show me, and he, this kid is like a huge Spartan fan, right? Because he, he got mm-hmm. to go with his dad, and he met Mark Antonio, and they're like best buds forever, and it was really cool. So that was probably the, the best experience. I actually wrote a story about this. Uh, I think while I was still living in Japan for 11 Warriors, it's called Checking In With Our Foreign Correspondent, because uh, <laughs> I was still living there at the time. Um, 
so I don't know if you do a search for that, you might you might find it. It's uh, it is not formatted for our new site, so just keep that in mind. But it's, it's it was a it was a cool story. I enjoyed that one. So cool. There you go. So not a Buckeye fan, but a, a football fan. I thought that was yeah, cool. cool. Uh, do you want me to read the next one here? Yeah, sure. All right, okay. All right. Might as well do another one. I know, right? So this one's from Gregory Metz. Uh, he's he's got a, another Photoshop here. That's that's excellent. Um, anyway, how's it going, Dubcast friends? It's good to see. Great. <laughs> it's good to see <laughs> Michigan hemorrhaging recruits, but I know someone uh, who has their sleeping bag all set for signing day, and then he's got a picture of uh, Jim Harbaugh peeking through the door, a la uh, Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Um, <laughs> so now that I've added some nightmare fuel to this edition of the podcast, a few questions. Number one, if Michael Scott had to go around uh, the Big Ten and roast all the football coaches, what would he yell before boom roasted? So in the in the episode where he like just goes around and like he feels that he was made fun of at the office, he goes back to the office and then he just like points at everybody and like details all their flaws and says, "Boom, roasted." Stanley, you're like you're lazy and fat. Boom, roasted. Pam, <laughs> <Damn>, I <laughs> like I don't think you'll ever go to art school. You're bad at everything. Boom, roasted. Like he just goes over and over. So what would he say to all these uh, football coaches in the Big Ten, Michael? Do we have to go like through all fourteen? I'm really tired, but yeah, let's do all 14. <laughs> Screw it. Oh, no. Uh, well, I think for, I think Daryl Hazel, you can't recruit. Boom, roasted. You're going to get fired soon because you're terrible. <laughs> Boom, roasted. Uh, Har- it's a good thing you coach at Northwestern because <laughs> the thin veneer of professionalism that you exude is the only thing keeping you from getting fired. Boom, roasted. Oh, Kirk Ferentz. You recruited 23 kids, and they're all three stars. Boom, roasted. <laughs> Kirk Ferentz, do you get paid $4 million per three-star player that you recruit? Boom, roasted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, Harbaugh's easy. I mean, The guy I'm not even going to bother to learn the name of at Wisconsin because you're going to quit in a year because Barry Alvarez is a horrible person. Boom, roasted. <laughs> Kevin Wilson, is Indiana the only school in the entire country that would give you a contact extension? Boom, roasted. <laughs> Oh, man. Mark D'Antonio, how many heart attacks are you going to have before you just actually die? Boom, roasted. Um. <laughs> when are we going to see some of these recruits performing on the field, James Franklin? Boom, roasted. James Franklin, do you wish you were in the SEC so that you could be mediocre at Vanderbilt and actually be respected? Boom, roasted. Boom, roasted. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. I'm having a hard time. I'm having, wait, Yeah, I can't even. We got Nebraska. Uh huh. We got uh, Illinois. Oh God. Minnesota. Oh no. I think Michael would have given up by now. <laughs> Urban, of course. We haven't done Urban. I'm not gonna do Urban. I don't want to get killed. Uh, I don't now we we know we know where our bread is buttered. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Riley. How does it feel yeah. to like be worse than the guy you were fired for because he underperformed? Boom, roasted. How about that? Uh, I just feel bad. I don't. I'm actually kind of glad that Jerry Kill isn't the head coach of Minnesota anymore because I would be very mean and I don't want to do that to Jerry Kill. He's a good person. Yeah, it's the it's the Dilly Bar guy now, right? I think so. Bill <laughs> Cubit. Why? What? <laughs> I'm <laughs> That's sorry. The That's Boom, the joke. Roasted. That is the joke. Oh, man, we haven't even uh, done Chris Ash. <laughs> oh, God. 
Are you trying to get fired in two years? Uh, oh, roast. <laughs> How many people do you have to pay off to get that job? Boom. Okay, whatever. All right. All right I think we're good. I think we. Need all right. That's, that's, close, that's close enough. I don't know. Anyway, we are not professional comedians. I am. I'm hilarious. Um, all right. Greg also wants to know discuss. why is Guy Fieri famous? Um, because we hate. Because he won a, a game country show. That hates ourselves. He won a game show on the Food Did Network. He? I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah he was the. He, it was uh, the first year of um, Who Wants to Be the Next Food Network Star or something, whatever they call That's that really show. Really depressing, there. especially and he, the guy who and lost he the guy Fieri. He won. Actually, I watched that. Actually, watched that. How terrible must have everyone else been? They were bad did. because he was not. He wasn't even close. He was so much better than they. That's were. insane. Were the other people like advocating like eating rocks and like? Well, here's here's the thing. About it's great. It's easy to say right now that Guy Fieri, people like Guy Fieri and people like Dick Vitale are horrible. You can say that. Well, it's I've easy always to say Guy Fieri. Look, he but. At first, Guy he was Eddie is different. like looking at an Applebee's menu, like on LSD. Like I don't like Guy Fieri. I've never liked Guy Fieri. I I can't deal with that. But his 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 act was different when everybody else was the same, and so he became famous. And now you realize that you made a horrible mistake. <sighs> We've all made a horrible like mistake. Like eating Applebee's, and have should never have this let him become sponsored famous by Applebee's because now he won't go away. But I think the simple answer, really, of why he's famous is because he's the mayor of Flavortown. So let's move on. Sure. Okay. <laughs> he's about to get impeached in Flavortown. <laughs> Flavortown's about to kick him out on the street. Guy Fetty was indicted today in Flavortown. Um, anyway, all right. Next question from Gregory Metz. This is the last one. His, this is a philosophical question of the week. Uh, would you rather lose all of your current memories or never be able to make new ones? I read that question and what, I went, man, that's, that a, is that's rough. a tough question. That is a very, very rough question. Um, would I rather be able to keep my old memories and never make new ones, yeah. or forget everything that I already knew? Uh, I don't know. It's 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 a terrible, terrible choice, isn't it? Yeah, it's bad. It's rough. Um, I have a lot I, of good memories. Yeah, I, I think I would have to keep the keep the old memories because then at least you know because at my age what the hell i will say this <laughs> i mean yeah fair enough yeah we'll see i don't have kids right you know like i don't have the joyous memories of like raising children and all that good stuff right you have so many ahead of you like i have the, yeah the, i would the, say the wedding just, the wedding and the, and the fatherhood those are behind so i have to keep those i think i'd i'd, I'd just lose my old ones and then still be able to make new ones there you go Okay. All right. Next question is from uh, from Alvin Azen Chipmunk. Uh, what is your favorite Super Bowl commercial of all time? And if Eleven Warriors could have a commercial during this year's Super Bowl, what would be the premise? Premise. Premise. Uh, I don't know the answer to the second question, although it would probably have something to do with making fun of somebody. Oh yeah. Um, Which we've been doing like and, all day, and and I'm sure it would be an inside joke that no one would find funny, but the staff. Yes. Which we've also so, been doing all day. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think it would be about? I think what it would have to be it would be like one of those sports center commercials where you just walk around like the Eleven Warriors like home office, right? And we're just doing stupid crap. Like oh, I'm basically cool. just like chortling at Simpsons jokes, and, <laughs> and somebody's like. Johnny, what do you what do you got on tap for Friday? I'm like, I don't know. I'm thinking about something like you know Abraham Lincoln if he were a linebacker, blah blah. blah. 
And then, like, just Jason getting progressively angrier at all of our foibles. I think that would be something we should do. Um, our favorite, What is your favorite Super Bowl commercial of all time? Well, you know, I always like the funny ones. Um, I agree. Yeah, the funny ones are usually the best. The First of all, I'll say my, my least favorite of all time was probably the Bud Bowl. Uh, okay. Uh, the series of Bud Bowls. Gotcha. Those were really, really stupid. Um so I guess I have to go go back a couple of years. I kind of like the Snickers ones. Um, I've always kind of liked the the Snickers commercials where you know you're you when you're hungry you you, you turn into kind of a jerk. That was a pretty good. Um, there were there were two of those I believe that were Super Bowl ones that were really good. The Betty White one was hilarious. Yeah, that was good. Um, you know you you when you when you're playing like Betty White out there, they're playing football and you're playing like Betty White out there. That's not what your girlfriend says because um, Betty White's awesome. Yeah. And uh, the other one was the the one with Danny Trejo uh, as Marsha Brady. <laughs> that one's funny. I enjoy that one. Which still gets aired, and he's like, "Shut up!" and like puts a hatchet in a coffee table. Yeah. Uh, but I like you know I like Danny Trejo. I think. Too. And um, but the funniest one right. I think, and it's 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 is a it was a Taco Bell commercial. It came out in '07, I think, mm-hmm. or somewhere thereabouts. And it was a Taco Bell commercial with two lions on the savanna, and they're talking about carne asada. And the one's trying to get the other one to pronounce it like, you know, like his, with this Hispanic pronunciation, rolling the R's, Car, carne asada. Right. And he says, say it sexy like Ricardo Montalban. And the other lion has been sitting there trying to say it. And he's like, Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> and it's funny to me. It's probably not funny to everybody, well, but I thought that was hilarious. how much you enjoy lions. I would say my favorite one was, it was a giant metaphor this is out, I think it was when I was a kid, maybe in the 90s, I don't know. But it was about, like, uh, it showed this farmer, and he was talking about how all these other farmers are real successful, but, you know, he's he's struggling. He wasn't a farmer, he's like a rancher. And all these other cattle farmers are, like, real successful. He's like, you know, not me. I, I try the, I do the hard things in life. And he's herding cats. And, like, it's just this long, extensive thing of him, like, trying to get all these cats in line. Right, yeah. And he's like, it shows him, like, it shows him with like a lint roller over everything. Like I just, I just that cracks me up. I always think about that, and I try to use the phrase "hurting cats" as much as possible because of that. So it's probably it's a good one. But I tell you, the last couple of years, it's been a very big disappointment. It's been it's been kind of abysmal. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. All right. So those are all the questions we had this week. Keep sending them in. We very much enjoy hearing your uh, your thoughts and and questions. Okay, joining us this week, we're very excited to have uh, Buckeye linebacker, graduating Buckeye linebacker, or at least uh, early, early, leaving early Buckeye linebacker, Darren Lee. Darren, thanks so much for being on the Dubcast. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Real excited to have you on. Uh, I'm, I, we've, we've got a million questions, and you know, I, I guess I just want to start out with, what are you doing right now to get ready for the NFL Combine and your, your, you know, the NFL Draft coming up? Uh, well, for combine uh, right now, just uh, getting technique down for 40 um, and all the drills. Um, getting stronger, of course, especially in upper body. Um, you know, adding a little bit of weight. Um, as for, like, the draft process, you know, leading up to the draft, you know, a couple sessions here for board work and whatnot, you know, just getting familiar with how the whole process goes and just, uh, you know, going over it over and over so that, you know, I come in and, I'm flawless in the entire process and impress the coaches. Was there anything about this process that surprised you that maybe you weren't expecting, or was this kind of like you're know, talking to maybe some other Ohio State uh, players who got in the NFL that you kind of were 
ready for the stuff that they're about to throw at you. Yeah, you know, we got a bunch of guys in, in the NFL right now in the past few years who, who've been played under Coach Meyer. So, you know, we ask those guys how things go and how the process goes. You know, I've asked uh, Duran Grant, Devin Smith, um, uh, <clears throat> Brad Roby, Jeff Hireman, all those guys. Those guys have been, you know, giving me some tips here and there. And, uh, you know, to get my mind right for everything. So they've been a huge help with the, uh, the entire process and what's going to, and what lies ahead for uh, the next couple of years. You know, Darren, one of the things that I wanted to ask you is how does one prepare for the Wonderlick test? <laughs> <laughs> we actually had a little practicing today, but um, I don't know. I guess just uh, seeing it a bunch of times, I guess, you know, repetition would be the best uh, solution for that. Um, yeah, that's actually a really good question because, you know, we're just sitting talking about it like, wow, how would we really – you know, prepare for this, you know, because I'm not, you know, it's like, it's like school. It's like we had a, we had a class today, and I was like, wow. <laughs> but um, I guess just seeing the test over and over, because there's different versions of the test. That's what we were told. So, uh, well, I don't know. Yeah. If there's one thing that I think history has taught us, that Wonderlick is a perfect predictor of NFL success. So, <laughs> I hope you study real hard for that. Um, <laughs> right. All right. So the, the one big thing that I wanted to ask you was um, you kind of talked about this on Twitter today. You have a relationship with uh, Coach Fickle, and I want, if you could, talk uh, about, like, how, you know, you, you said on Twitter, right, you, you start in a high school quarterback, you, you evolve into a, you know, a really great linebacker. What was that relationship like, and, and really what were the kind of things that he was able to do to, to mold you into the player that you are now? Well, you know, for one thing um, – for that, you know, Coach Fick, you know, went to war for me to just be part of the team. Um, I don't think at that time he really knew what I was fully capable of, and he wasn't probably, he, you know, was risking himself that, you know, he doesn't know if I would pan out or if right. I'd be able to learn or be big enough, so to speak. But um, it really started with him, you know, uh, getting, you know, the leaders of the room back when I was, say, you know, freshman, is just changing the culture of our linebacking room. The linebacker room that's now was not what it was when I first got there, um, <clears throat> but it was um, it was it was a bad it was a bad deal. But you know we turned it around. You know you got guys like Josh and Curtis Grant, and um, you know those guys really turned that whole room around, and we we bonded throughout that whole process. And we were not the best group on the team. And you know when I when I left, it, we were the best group on the team, in my personal opinion, and a lot of others' personal opinions. And you know. Throughout that process, you know, we we came together as brothers and, you know, we're best friends. And, you know, I love every single one of those guys. You know, I do anything for him. And, you know, just how he was able to translate that. And it started with him even, you know, him taking his own self-accountability and the way he was able to humble himself and not just be put it all on the players. It's just that makes you go to war for him. It makes you, you know, want to, you know, build something. You know, you had to, you had to blow it up and, and start fresh. And uh, the end result was incredible as we all saw you know Darren one of the things that you know was impressive about your career at Ohio State was the way you always seem to be able to make a, a big play a tackle for loss a sack that kind of thing and I wondered kind of how much of that you know ability to to know where the play was going to go and that kind of thing how much of that do you attribute to having played quarterback and how much of it is just you know your film study and your preparation as a linebacker um, preparation wise, I mean, of course, I mean, we, we go over everything, uh, thanks to our, uh, thanks to our coaches, uh, you know, they have us prepared first of all, but, 
I'd say, you know, having a feel for the game or just, you know, feeling like what a quarterback could do next. I mean, just knowing the down and distance, of course, that's a good indicator. I knew for me when I play quarterback, you know, if we needed to play, I first got to find out where the sticks are. Um, and then, you know, given the play that we have, um, I'd have to see, you know, what I could possibly do, where, who's where, um, um, and who can do what. Um, and there's, just, there's been a lot of instances. It's like, you know, say if it's third, medium, third, and long, you know, you're going to need most quarterbacks to attack the sticks. I mean, that's what I would do too. Um, and then if not, they're going to try and run, which is a bad idea. But um, <laughs> guys, uh, guys took that risk. Um, even Kaiser took that risk. I remember that play. Right. It was like second and it was like second and I don't know, like 15, and it was empty. So I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I know you're going to run. <laughs> I just know you're going to run. Whenever they're in empty formation, I'm like, you're going to run the ball. So uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to bail on this reroute on this receiver, and I'm going to go and I'm going to trigger. And um, that worked out. But you know, it's just it, it's uh, it was fun. You know, as I kept learning linebacker, uh, I. Uh, it's almost kind of like you're in the quarterback's head sometimes, but can't play every other position, so you never know. So one of the things that we asked, uh, we had Eli Apple on last week, and we were talking to him a little about the mm-hmm. uh, the role of defense, especially in the last couple of years, that I think is, is kind of underrated because you, you look at the offense and people love points and all that. But one of the things I asked him about was um, with the national championship season, you know, it starts off with, uh, the Big Ten Championship game, and everybody looks at the you know 59 points that were put up, but I don't think people talk as much about the big goose egg that you guys held Wisconsin to, especially like with a great running back that they had. Um, what is that like? I mean, when when you have an offense that is typically really good, but then sometimes you you guys need to back them up in really like tough situations. What is the conversation like between the defense and the offense when it starts to kind of shift on a team that seems to be you know offensive oriented most of the time? Like having the focus, like you know, like yeah, the like would have so it's to, just from the offense to the defense. What are the conversations that are happening between the players when it's like, all right, guys, like this isn't working so hot today. Defense needs to step up. You know, what are the conversations that are going on between players when that happens? Um, well, usually those are those usually come in the close games. Um, but for the defense, we just keep each other level-headed. Um, just remind each other, hey, if you're getting this, they're going to do this, and. Um, it was, we just talk ball, really, but we talk it in a calm like manner. Uh, even if some, even if the team scores, we just we're coming back. Hey, this is what they did. Um, this will make a correction. We'll just go ahead and run this or check to this, and we make corrections. I mean, we've been you know, being in pressure situations. Our coaches have put us in a lot of pressure situations through practice and say the off season. So you have us prepared for that. Um, but say if it's picking up the offense, you know, we go down there, cheer them on, like, hey, hey, hey you guys will be all right. We'll get the stop. Mm-hmm. Get your mind right. You're going to be back out there. You know, it's. Uh, that, that's the kind of brotherhood. That's the kind of type of trust we had as a team. Uh, a lot of people undervalued that, um, especially uh, for a big, a big example would be the Alabama game. Um, you know, we were down 21-6, and uh, you just you know tell them, hey, hang in there. You know, Zeke came down after he fumbled. He's like, hey, you got that's on me. He's like, we got you. We'll keep we'll hanging there as best as possible, <clears throat> um, and we'll get a couple stops here. And then hey, you guys go down and score. It's just that type of trust that we had, and because we were very confident in our abilities. Let me take you back to to that um, you know the championship season and and then you know obviously it's a great run at the end of the year especially and and everything seems to click perfectly the last few games just about and no matter even when you make mistakes you still are able to overcome those and then you know you lose a few key leaders you come into this year what how different did the did the was the feeling 
you know, in the locker room this year as as opposed to uh, the championship season? Well, we weren't really chasing anything. You know, people were chasing us. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, after that slow start in the beginning of the season, uh, you know, everybody know all the talk was like, oh, the offense isn't doing this, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, nobody was really giving too much credit that the defense was, you know, you know doing their job and the defense was a lot better. Um, I say no, knowing their assignment and knowing what to do. Um, the defense was more polished because we knew we knew what we were doing. Um, we'd already had a year under our belt, and our coaches did a great job of you know putting people in the right position. But at the same time, <clears throat> at the same time, uh, we we knew what we were doing, and we had studied a lot in the off season. Um, but you know, after that slow the slow start in the beginning of the season, kind of almost felt like a loss, if that makes sense. Um, so that uh. Once we started to get the ball moving or get the ball rolling as a team, and I was thinking about the Rutgers game, I was like, "Oh yeah, we're now, now we're clicking," you know. And then now, after the after the Rutgers game, it really felt like we were chasing something at that point. So tell you what, let's let's shift a little bit uh, to the NFL. Um, you got you know obviously you, know, you got the combine and all the other stuff that you got to you got to prepare for prepare for mentally. Um, What's you know what's the biggest thing that you think you bring to the NFL? What's the biggest thing you could like contribute to an NFL team um, that I think you know your skill set's fairly unique? And mm-hmm. what do you think teams maybe would see out of you that they wouldn't see out of other players? I make plays. Um, that's really what I could put it down <laughs> to. Uh, like I just make plays. Like you I know, throw that that, yeah. that, te- that, te- that that technical crap out the window. Like hey, I'm gonna you know. <laughs> get a pick six and then hey we're up we're up two touchdowns then and if it's a close game I'll just the big games for sure like I, I always show up for big games um that's just been my knack for football I don't know I don't know how to explain it I've never been able to explain it but um I guess you know whenever you need a big play I mean I'm I'm, I'm there um I'll you know, be there to help the team um that's I think that's the biggest thing you know people try to compare me to other people but I don't really see a lot of playmakers. I just see what they have, quote unquote, your prototypical linebacker or whatever. Yeah, okay. Well, right. once I become a prototypical linebacker, what, and I have the playmaking asset to it, then what? You know, that, I think that'll set me apart from a lot of guys. So uh, that's what I definitely bring to the table is play, making big plays that change the outcome of a game. You know, Darren, uh, the decision to leave Ohio State early obviously was predicated upon you know, kind of the things you were hearing and, and being told about, you know, where you might fall in the draft. What kind of things were you hearing and, and where do you think you're going to shake out in the draft? And, and you know, kind of what way, what else weighed in on your decision to, to turn pro? Uh, well, uh, I think when, I think when, you know, people hear athletes say, you know, conversing with your family about how this decision, I think that's, I think that's a lot of crap, and that's not true. I mean, <laughs> we we have like no really as a team, you know, we have a lot on our plate and week in and week out. And if you're thinking past the team we're about to play, it, it'll show on the field. And uh, so, like when when players say that, you know, that's that's true. First off, but uh, that we really you know converse with our families. I was hearing everything between uh, mid to late first um, to middle of second. Um, but you know, hey, it, it is what it is. You know, no one knows for sure where you'll land. Um, <clears throat> I don't, I don't know, but I, I knew that I was very confident in my abilities, mm-hmm. um, and uh, <clears throat> I was, you know, I thought I was one of the better linebackers that were coming out. So, you know, I thought I could test my measure and then go out and uh, you know, be that, you know, mid, 
uh, first round guy. Um, and then, hey, hey, you never know. You just really never know. It's such a, you won't know till draft, draft weekend. So, uh, it's a, it's a big guess, but I, I knew it was, uh, it was a risk I'm willing to take. And, um, I'm excited to see how it pans out. All right, so tell you what, let's. I want to ask you uh, another question. We we asked Eli, uh, what is your favorite like football memory from Ohio State, not related to like championships or or you know like you know Big Ten championship, national champion, all that playoff stuff, bowl games, whatever. What's like just a football related memory that you really kind of hold on to? Uh, well, one, what did Eli say? I want to. <laughs> <laughs> he said he said his first time going out there. Uh, playing like for the first, I, I forget what I think it was like Virginia Tech game uh, where he's like the you know I don't know if it was Virginia Tech but he said it was the first time he went out there as like a starter and he was he was just solid and, and playing and just kind of soaking it all in. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, well, I'd say my the which Navy is a very wholesome answer. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say the Navy <laughs> game. Uh, I know at the beginning of that game. Uh, I was just like, you know, Navy came out on the field and uh, quarterbacks, you know, looking around, and then I'm just looking like down the field, like to their stands, and I'm just like in a daze. Right. I'm just trying to soak everything in. I'm just like, this is really about to happen. And I remember asking Mike Bennett, <laughs> asked Mike Bennett so many times that we, like, are you sure I'm ready? Like, am I big enough? He's like, you're plenty big enough. You'll be fine. <laughs> He's like, just go out there. He's like, go out there and just hit somebody. And I asked him that every single day. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me before the game. He's like, "You ready to go?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I felt great. And then after the first play or first series, actually, things just settled down, and and I was comfortable, and I was able to play fast. And then, well, surprise, you know, thanks to uh, the ginormous '97, uh, got a little fumble and uh, <laughs> it took that to the house. And then after that, I was just I was com- I was completely comfortable. But the Virginia Tech game, that was nuts. It was so loud. I was just like, "What is going?" I, we couldn't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> we were trying to communicate. I couldn't hear a thing. Uh, I remember Curtis Grant. He's like, "You want a check?" I'm like, "Here, your check. Like, look around you, man. It's a night game, and it's look at these people. Like, I, I'm not gonna hear anything." So we had to come up with hand signals for that. So that was that was a, a really cool moment. But I say one that I really really enjoyed because I didn't even get to make the trip to the Big Ten championship game. I watched us lose from home, right? And it was pretty awkward being around my friends and us losing. And I just uh, I just remember making a mental note that that uh, that night, and uh, I just you know I'm gonna give it all I got when we play those guys in their house. And winning that game that, that felt incredible, just the the, the revenge factor. Because hmm. I'll tell you this, just I, just looking at everybody across the team and the, what happened pregame, we were not going to lose that game. Um, <laughs> it just wasn't gonna happen. It was just there's no there's nobody on our staff even in the. The football operations, like we were just not going to lose that game, and everybody knew it. That's great. Well, Darren, uh, before we let you get out of here, I-, I wanted to see if we can get your favorite Urban Meyer moment or favorite Urban Meyer story uh, before you go. Oh, man. I, ca- I got two moments. I'll give you that. I got two. Um, <laughs> it, would be, it would be his speech before we went and played Alabama. Um he uh it was just you could hear a pin drop when he spoke and uh i mean i, I can't really fully disclose the speech because there's a couple uh there's some language in there but of course um <laughs> but you know this the way he motivated us he's like i he's like i played these guys he's like i'm telling you 
you guys can beat these guys. They won't even be. It doesn't have to be close. Uh, that was be one serious moment, but a fun moment is he had to dab after the, the team up north game this past year. I, I tell you, man, that was the coolest thing. I was, I was like, oh, okay, Coach Meyer dip. Yeah, that was one of the coolest things uh, when I saw because Coach Meyer doesn't know what the dab is. He probably doesn't even know who Migos is. <laughs> he doesn't even know who any of those guys are. He's just like he's like he's like the, the, the dab, and it's like yeah, here's how you do it, dab. And you know he did it, and we just we went nuts. And uh, that was, a, you know, that was just a real cool moment amongst the team, and that he did. So uh, he needs to, he needs to start all of off that. the plug after the spring game. That'll be good. Oh, if he does that, that'll be hilarious. But I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I, we'll see. We'll see if he, you know, lets some character out. Yeah, that's excellent. <laughs> all right. Well, Darren Lee, thanks so much for being with us. We really uh, enjoyed having you, and and you know, best of luck moving forward with the with the combine and the draft. Yeah, man, appreciate it. Appreciate you having me, man. Thank you. All right, well, Johnny, that's uh, just about going to do it for another edition of the 11 Dubcast here. The uh, National Signing Day has come and gone. Yeah. And uh, definitely want to to give a big shout-out to Darren Lee for stopping by. Oh, man, and, and being our that, was, that was an excellent interview. I was really happy about that. that he was He was great. That's really cool. I don't know how we're doing this, but we must be doing something right getting the guests we've been getting Because we're so attractive. Uh, everybody wants to be us yeah. or be on with us or something. I don't know. But uh, Darren Lee, awesome interview, and really appreciate him uh, taking time out of his busy uh, you know, preparation for the NFL, which is kind of important. Yeah. Um he's out in Arizona training with a bunch of other NFL hopefuls and um sounds like they're, you know, they're really working hard and and uh, you know, they're grinding as the kids say. Yeah. So, thanks Darren. Uh before we get out of here, Johnny, I got a question for you. Please ask away. I will ask you anything as I am want to do. Um so, obviously we saw some craziness on National Signing Day, we saw uh, a guy commit while jumping out of an airplane. Yeah, that was great. And by great, uh, I mean dumb. <laughs> and we saw a guy commit by choosing a, a, a cake with the school name on it mm-hmm. uh, from a from a variety dumb. of cakes. I kind of enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just all manner of different things. Uh, if you were a commit, or if you, or if you were a, a recruit and you were going to commit to a school and you were having your big signing day extravaganza Johnny how would you how would you arrange your commitment what what special effects would you need what props my special uh, my special like cool unique way of doing it would be to do it like 6 months ahead of time and then not talk to anyone after that like basically just turn off my phone <laughs> like i don't want i don't look if i'm making that decision i just want to make it and be done like i don't want to talk to people about it if people just kept, like, texting me and stuff, I would just basically, like, say, I'm reporting you to the police. And it's not – like, I'm serious. I, I Like, I don't know how kids do it. I don't. I know. If somebody tries to get me in on that, I'm like, no, bye. Stop texting me, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. <laughs> Are you really friends, firm? friends. Are you firm in that commitment? Um, that's, that's cool. You know, I, I think that, um, these, these guys are going a little nutty with some of the, some of the antics now, but I mean, it's their moment in the sun. I can't really blame them for that. I think if it was me, I would have, like when I narrowed down to my three, I think I would, I would have videotaped my 
hat ceremony like at that point, and I would have videotaped all three of the finalists. Mm-hmm. And then on signing day, I would just email out my thing. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to kind of peace out of this ah. whole deal, and I'm just going to e- – I picked this one, and this was the one I'll That's email. I enjoy delete the other, Delete the other two off my computer, but at least they're all recorded, and that way you can still go through your process. Yeah. You've already done that. Oh, is it, you know, which hat's it going to be? Um, so it's kind of cool. And then I, I would also make it not the obvious one because sometimes the way they they lift those they put those hats out there, yeah, you can tell which one it's going to be. Oh, is it the two with the tags well, when still the attached? Well, the parents are in the back and they're wearing like all <laughs> like they're both wearing some very specific school colors. Like, huh, I wonder how that's going to work out. Like, hmm. are they picking Tennessee? They're all wearing orange. Yeah, let me think. Of- um, <laughs> so what do you think happens to those hats that that they from the schools they don't pick? Oh, I'm sure they donate them to charity. Yeah. Yeah. You just take them to Goodwill or yeah, something? Probably. They don't, they don't like the, the children. They don't keep the receipts and they like take them back to lids at the mall. No. no. They probably just keep them. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> they probably put them on dogs. Dogs need hats. <laughs> dogs they should need just hats. get as many. I told we. I had a student uh, today um, sign a letter of intent to Muskegon College, and I was like, "Why didn't you do a hat ceremony?" And she just looked at me like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Never mind." <laughs> she did have a hat though. She put on, so that was good. Hats are good. I'm a, I'm a hat guy. I, I've got a lot of hats, and I like to wear hats. Yeah, hats but, are pretty um, sweet. I don't think I would ever wear a hat from a school that I didn't, you know, go to. But what if it was a really cool hat? Uh, yeah, that's kind of true. I, I, you know, I was drunk in Knoxville once and traded something. I traded a Columbus Chill hat for a, a Tennessee Volunteer. Wow, that was hat a one. huge mistake on your part. Um, but I still had one. No. So you're I was with Columbus Chill. You had two Columbus Chill hats. Well, I was with the PR director for Columbus Chill at the time. Oh, okay. He's like. Yeah, give the guy your hat. The guy was from Columbus. He was a bartender. He was right. from Columbus. Well, that's, like, then that's a good deed. You did a good deed. So I, I ended up parlaying the hat, actually, for – I traded it to him. We all got bar T-shirts. Mm-hmm. We all, we There were three of us. And also I got uh, his volunteer's hat, and also we got a round of big beers. Nice. So I think it was a pretty good trade. Especially yeah, well, since, well, then that definitely worked out in your favor. Yeah, Brent Maurer was the PR director from the Chill at the time, and he said to me, uh, yeah, give me your hat. I'll give you another one when we get back to the office. Mm. So so it was a no-brainer. It had to be had to be done. Yeah. So that was the only time I actually ever owned a hat from, from some other school, and I think I wore it that night for a few hours, and that was it. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, so anyway, uh, that's it. That's it for the 11 Dubcast. We appreciate the questions, and uh, we will be back uh, next week with an, another probably outstanding guest. We haven't really arranged it yet, but I'm sure it'll be phenomenal. <laughs> it'll be great. Anyway, and until then, I'm Michael Sitra. I'm John Ginner. Peace. Bye.